Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Egg Today. Coming up on today's program, of course, Bill C-234 still trying to make its way through the House of Commons. Of course, the Commons resumed yesterday after having a week off or so. So we will hear from Ben Lobb, an MP on that. As well, coming up on today's show, uh, not a whole lot of information out there when it comes to the cattle market update issued by Canfax. Um, Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture's Provincial Cattle Specialist Fonda Froats will join us on today's program. And a weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskang Today. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to Saskang Today. The federal Tories may have a new problem to deal with in the House of Commons when it comes to pushing Bill C-234 ahead in its original form. The bill was punted from the Senate last month with two amendments attached to it. One of them was to eliminate barn heating from the carbon tax exemption on propane and natural gas. The other was to reduce the sunset clause on the exemption for those two fuels from eight years to three, when it comes to grain dryers. In the past, when this bill has been voted on in the House of Commons, all of the opposition parties have sided with the Tories. But support for the original bill from the Bloc Québécois may be falling by the wayside. At least one MP from the Bloc and the party's leader stated they would no longer side with the Tories on the bill and will instead side with the government. If that happens, the Liberals and the Bloc together would have enough votes to pass the amended bill into law. During discussion of the bill yesterday, Bloc Québécois MP Yves Perron said his party is well aware that some farmers will be disappointed if the Senate's amendments are adopted. But he also said we can take the grain drying exemption now and prevent the bill from getting bogged down again, adding do we really want to send the bill to the Senate and keep bickering over it? Or are we willing to grasp the tangible gains within our reach? Prior to his comments on Monday, the author of the bill, Tory MP Ben Lobb, made this appeal to the House. Let's not delay this longer than it's already been delayed. It's already two years old, okay? Uh, we can have some debate. We can hear what the other parties are thinking, if they've changed their minds, if they like it better, what have you because in the last two years, a lot has changed in the economy. 
Think about interest rates. Think about inflation. Think about these things that are impacting farmers everywhere they go. So what I would ask, specifically the Liberal Party, allow some of their members to have a say, but let's be reasonable. Let's not kick this down too far the road. Let's be reasonable. Let's have good discussion, good debate, exchange of information, and have a timely vote on this to send it back to the Senate and let the senators deal with it again. I think that is the reasonable and logical way to do it because at the end of the day, you're not helping me. You're not helping me. Who are you helping? You're helping the farmer at home. You're helping your farmer at home. And when we can help farmers directly and indirectly help consumers, that's great. That's the author of Bill C-234, Tory MP, Ben Lobb. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Bumper to Bumper in Langenberg and Rokenville, your auto parts professionals. Let them find the parts no one else can. Open 8 to 6, Monday to Saturday. Call 306-743-2332. Beef and Forage Report. Federal Agriculture and Agri-Food Minister Lawrence McCauley and Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt have announced updates to Saskatchewan's 2023 Canada-Saskatchewan Feed Program administered by the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation. A total of 10 additional designated rural municipalities are now added to the area eligible for full cost-shared funding of an initial payment up to $150 per head. This expansion responds to the dry conditions that further impacted livestock producers throughout the later months this past fall. The application deadline is extended to March 15th of 2024. The submitted application needs to indicate the number of breeding animals on hand as of August 21st, 2023 and kept until January 31st 2024. This deadline extension allows Saskatchewan producers additional time to review and finalize applications with actual extraordinary costs and breeding animal inventory. A reminder, producers will need to submit their receipts or appropriate documents for the extraordinary expenses. Eligible extraordinary expenses include purchased feed, self-hauling or transportation costs for feed or breeding animals, and or land rented for additional grazing acres or additional feed production. Eligible animal species include beef cattle and other grazing animals limited to bison, elk, deer, sheep, goats, and horses. A Saskatchewan premises identification is required to be eligible for the program. This program covers 70% of extraordinary costs related to feed and freight incurred after May 1, 2023, now through to March 15, 2024. An online application form is available at scic.ca. A user guide is available to assist producers in completing their application. If producers require guidance or have any questions, they can simply contact SCIC's dedicated team by phone or email. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, 
and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 AgriView. The Agriculture Carbon Alliance is hopeful that MPs will reject the Senate's amendments to a bill to create carbon price carve-outs for certain farm fuels. Bill C-234, which would amend the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Price Act, was once again the subject of debate as Parliament resumed yesterday. Conservative MP Ben Lobb tabled a motion to essentially reject the Senate's amendments to the bill. Late last year, the Senate voted to amend Bill C-234 to remove greenhouse and barn heating from the proposed exemptions and to reduce the bill's sunset clause to three years from eight. This left only the proposed exemption for fuels used to dry grain. If the motion passes, it's doubted the Senate would try to amend the bill again. Managed money fund traders only made small adjustments to their large net short position in canola futures during the weekend of January 23rd, according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of January 23rd, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 131,354, which was down by about 1,500 from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 274,842 contracts, which was up by 11,500 on the week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, the net short position in soybeans grew to its largest level in nearly four years, increasing by about 17,600 contracts on the week at about 96,400 contracts. The Global Agricultural Information Network of the United States Department of Agriculture issued a series of reports during the weekend at Friday. Of those, some of them could have an effect on the North American markets. One of those reports pertained to Canada and its wheat production. Written by the USDA attaché in Ottawa, the report stated drought could be a major concern for 2024-25 across the prairies citing low snowfall this winter and a lack of soil moisture following the 2023-24 harvest. The attaché added that grasshoppers are set to be an issue for Alberta and Saskatchewan this coming growing season. Meanwhile, the Ottawa desk pegged the 2023-24 Canadian wheat harvest at 31.95 million metric tons, down from 34.34 million the year before. Exports for this year were forecast at 23.30 million metric tons, short of the 25.6 million in 2022-23. France's farmers have placed much of Paris under siege as thousands of tractors and other pieces of equipment have blocked many major roadways outside the city outskirts. Eight main motorways are blocked, but 15,000 police officers and soldiers are keeping routes to the two main airports open, as well as the region's main fresh food market, which is the largest in Europe and supplies about 60% of Paris with fresh food. Farmers are protesting French regulations and bureaucracy, as well as demanding better prices for produce and the continuation of subsidies on agricultural diesel. It's believed the protests will continue until at least Thursday, 
when the European Union holds a summit in Brussels. This is reporter Pierre Benezet. This is a, a Europe-wide movement that has really uh, taken quite a stride now. We've seen since 2019 protests in the Netherlands uh, where they were protesting against the plans of the uh, government to cut in half the number of uh, cars in the country. We've seen protests as of uh, the beginning of last year in Germany uh, because of cuts of uh, subsidies for the uh, agricultural diesel. With EU elections slated for June, there will be increased pressure on European politicians to at least consider some additional concessions for farmers. Ukraine has tightened rules related to certain food exports, imposing a six-month trading ban for any companies violating the regulations to ease tensions with bordering countries. The EU suspended import duties, quotas and trade defense measures for imports from Ukraine in June of 2022 to support its economy after Russia's invasion. However, cheap Ukrainian grain exports have sparked protests by governments, farmers and truckers in neighboring countries such as Poland and Hungary. To address the problem, Ukraine in October introduced a special export control mechanism to allow the government to better track shipments and punish offenders. The new rules came into effect on Friday. And Saskang Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskang Today. And yes, it is free. And that's today's Ag Review. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will be back right after this. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and plus 3 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. There's not a whole lot of information out there when it comes to the cattle market update issued by Canfax. Provincial cattle specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, Fonda Froats, says this year has gotten off to a slow start with only one heifer weight category in the province reporting. That one category for Saskatchewan heifers was the five to 600 pound heifers and they averaged 331.42 per hundredweight with a range of price between 317 to 349 per hundredweight. And this was an improvement of about $10 per hundredweight from when we had last reported pricing in December. There were 6,603 Saskatchewan feeder cattle marketed last week, up from 2,460 the week prior. However, that's down from the 13,109 head of cattle marketed at this time last year. Froats has the details on prices for Alberta feeder steers from Friday. Four to five hundred weight steers brought nineteen dollars per hundred weight above the prior week to average four fourteen twenty five per hundred weight. And the five to six hundred pound Alberta steers were the highest in thirteen weeks at three eighty six thirteen per hundred weight, which was up thirteen fifty six from the week before. Prices for Alberta D two and D three cows were down last week compared to the previous week reported. 
the price of D2 cows averaged 127.33 per hundredweight, while the price of D3 cows was 113.48 per hundredweight. These prices were down 334 and $1.90 per hundredweight, respectively, from the previous week. And similar to the feeder cattle sales, volumes were once again too low from Canfax to establish an Alberta fed steer price on the week ending January 26th, but the market tone was said to be steady to lower from the previous week, and the last Alberta fed steer price established for the year was on January 12th, and it was at 218.75 per hundredweight. And here is her take on the slow start to the year. Feeder markets have been overall strong to start the year, and the lightweight feeder cattle seem to be bringing the largest price increases compared to the prior week. The slow start uh, due mostly to cold weather was has brought good demand from buyers, and uh, lower prices on feed have also supported the market. Fonda Froats is the Provincial Cattle Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 177.92. That's up 55. April live cattle trading at 181.67, up 45. March feeder cattle are trading at 241.15, up 252. April feeder cattle trading at 246.70, up 210. February lean hogs trading at 75.95, up 67. April lean hogs trading at 85.27, up 185. And that's the livestock market conditions. Welcome back to Saskag Today. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. U.S. wheat futures managed to finish the week higher on short covering, despite the losses experienced at the end of the week as China announced that it would accept wheat exports from Argentina. As far as some of the most important news that happened in the wheat markets, we'll start in Argentina, where, for the first time, China is allowing wheat imports from Argentina. Argentine wheat is being offered at $40 per ton less than U.S. wheat on a FOB basis and has the potential of stealing China's demand away from the U.S. and possibly the EU as well. This will be a developing situation that we will be needing to watch. Anyways, we'll go back to Canada where the AFC released some 24-25 wheat crop wheat area estimates. The AFC is estimating that Canadian non-Durham wheat area in the upcoming season will be 20.4 million acres. This reflects a 5% decrease from last year, which we kind of suspect is too much of a decrease in seeded area. The AAFC's seeded area and an average yield of 52.4 bushels per acre would produce a 27.9 million ton crop which is actually the same size of crop that we had this current marketing year. Our production number with a larger seeded area is for 29.3 million tons, which reflects a 5% increase in production. 
The AFC production number leads them to call for an unchanged export number of 20 million tons, which is what they're expecting for the current year, while our number reflects a 21 million ton export number. The AFC has ending stocks for the upcoming season at 3.5 million tons, which is exactly the same as its estimate for the current crop year. The current soil moisture situation brings the assumption of an average yield into question on the Canadian prairies. Large swaths of the spring wheat area have below average levels of soil moisture, and so precipitation in the spring will be even more important than normal. I'm looking at a map of the soil moisture in Western Canada. You can see this on the Saskatchewan Wheat uh, Outlook on the website. I'm seeing a large swath of northern Alberta, northern Saskatchewan, parts of southwestern Manitoba, uh, and even a large swath of, of central Saskatchewan down to Regina, all the way down to the border, is experiencing abnormally dry soil moisture for this time of year. As far as the weekly exports go, Canadian exporters shipped another 383,000 tons of wheat, wheat in week 25, and this is slightly behind the average current pace of 407,000 tons, but we remain ahead of the 360,000 tons per week that is needed to meet the AAFC's export projection. As far as Durham goes, both the AAFC and Mercantile, that's us, are ca currently calling for a 2% increase in seeded area from last year to 6.2 million acres. This would be the fifth largest Durham area in Canada's history. The Olympic average yield is 33 bushels per acre, which would produce a 5.4 million ton crop, or 33% more than last year. Durham exports would need to be 33% greater than they are expected to be in the current marketing year at 4.3 million tons. This will largely be a function of price, and importantly, whether Turkey will have a similar export program as this past year. If Canada can export that 4.3 million tons, ending stocks would fall around 700,000 tons, which is the highest level in three years, and 60% more than they are forecasted to end this year. We should note, while this is not tight, it's not overly burdensome either. As far as global Durham prices, prices in the EU were mixed. Prices in Spain were slightly lower, while values in Italy were said to be 5 euros per ton higher. Italian ports continue to be unseasonably quiet on the import side for this time of year. Durham is moving from Spain and Greece to Italy and Tunisia. Much of this will be re-exported Turkish Durham. Meanwhile, Turkey is holding a tender to export about 150,000 tons of Durham wheat on February 1st which signals they are not out of the Durham export market yet. As far as Canada's Durham exports go, in week 25, we had a strong 101,000 tons of exports, which makes for a season total of 1.5 million tons. Durham movement remains on track to meet the AFC's current number of 3.2 million tons. And as exports tend to pick up in the spring, exports could be slightly higher than current expectations.
As far as the outlook for Canadian Durham goes, Durham movement remains steady and the balance sheet for the current year is not burdensome. However, a lot of the European and North African demand is being filled with Tur Turkish exports or re-exports. Additionally, the seasonal trend for Durham prices drift lower from now into spring. So we are already 80% sold, if you've been following our recommendations, and would watch for opportunities to sell the remaining 20% of your old crop, Durham. And over to U.S. wheat, where the U.S. Farm Futures Survey released its results. It has U.S. all wheat area for the upcoming 24-25 season at 48 million acres. This is down 3.2% from last year. Winter wheat area was posted at 37.3 million acres, which reflects a 5% rather increase from last year. So the entirety of the increase in winter wheat area was offset by spring wheat area, which is expected to fall by 19% from last year, down 2.1 million acres to 9.1 million acres. Durham wheat area is expected to be unchanged from last year at 1.7 million acres. U.S. weekly commercial wheat sales were at the high end of expectations at 451,000 tons for a season total of 16.5 million tons, which is 3% ahead of last year compared to the USDA's forecast for a 4% decrease. Most of last week's sales were to Asian markets, although sales to China saw a net reduction of 3 thousand tons. The U.S. sold 36,000 tons of Durham last week. 30,000 tons were sold to Algeria and 6,000 tons were sold to Panama. Total Durham commitments by the U.S. are 450,000 tons, which is 44% ahead of last year compared to the USDA's forecast for a 9% increase. If the USDA is correct, the U.S. exporters will only sell another 200 and 30,000 tons of Durham this marketing season. And we'll head to Australia. Wheat futures in Australia finished the week essentially unchanged. Private estimates of Australia's wheat crop are getting close to 30 million tons, compared to the USDA's current 25.5 million ton production number. In Argentina, harvest is done, and Badge left its crop estimate at 15.1 million tons. Farmer wheat sales are 6.5 million tons, of which exporters own 5 million tons. This compares with the USDA's current export projection for the country at 10 million tons. So exporters are going to have to increase their buying, and I guess farmers will need to increase their sales to meet that number. Although aiding to exports is the announcement that for the first time China is going to allow wheat imports from Argentina. Argentine wheat is being offered at a steep discount to U.S. supplies, uh, which has the potential of stealing a lot of China's demand away from the U.S. And the U.S. isn't alone here because in the EU, Matif wheat futures were also lower following the news that China would allow wheat imports from Argentina given the increased competition there. EU wheat exports are a season total of 19.6 million tons, which is 8% behind last year's pace. Imports are 7.2 million tons, which is 17% higher than last year. Farmer protests in France and several other EU states are growing and causing logistical problems. 
as far as the upcoming crop, while a large portion of the EU is experiencing excessive moisture, some of the key Durham regions of Spain, Italy, and North Africa are experiencing dry or drought conditions. And again, if you go to the full report on the Sasquatch website, we have a map included where we have a bunch of uh, Germany and Eastern uh, EU states all in kind of a, a rain surplus situation. While there's rain deficits experienced in the southern part of Spain, uh, parts of Italy, as well as uh, severe moisture deficits in Morocco and other parts of North Africa. In the Black Sea, Ukraine's December wheat exports were a post-invasion high of 4.8 million tons. Ukraine's exports in January are expected to be lower due to the issues in the Red Sea, but they have already exported 3.7 million tons of all grain so far this month. Sov Econ expects that the Russian wheat crop for the upcoming year will be 92.2 million tons. This is about 60, no, 600,000 tons less than their 2023 crop of 92.8 million tons. Russian wheat exports from now until June would need to reach a record pace to meet the about 51 to 52 million tons of exports that the trade is expecting. The speculation is less if they have the wheat, but more if the demand is there to take it. Monthly exports would need to be 20% higher than the current export pace. This would require exports to be slightly higher than last year's February to June pace. As far as some of the global trade last week, there wasn't really a whole lot to, to speak of. Jordan passed on its 120,000-ton tender. We already talked about U.S. weekly wheat sales that were strong. In other news, Egypt state buyer Gask imported 4.5 million tons of wheat in 2023 calendar year. Gask says they expect to import 5 million tons of wheat in the upcoming year. Gask purchases usually account for about 55% of all Egypt's wheat purchases, but this last year, private purchases rose to 55% of the total wheat import volume. And the last item of news we'll touch on is a Houthi anti-ship missile hit an oil tanker in the Gulf of Aden on Friday. The U.S. and U.K. retaliated by launching airstrikes at Yemen's main oil export terminal. This is possibly just the beginning of the growing conflict in the Middle East. Movement through the Suez Canal has been down to 45% since the Houthi attacks began. It's tough predicting markets with so many trouble spots in play. So as far as the outlook goes, our inclination is that growing conflicts will prove to be a little negative for most commodities as demand will be slower. We could see wheat a tad higher as Russia looks more reluctant to be aggressive sellers moving forward. We don't see traders making any major moves in the future markets. We are 60% sold our old crop spring wheat and would be looking to sell another 20% if wheat manages to move higher. We'd be targeting about nine to nine and a quarter, depending on your location. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this afternoon. March canola trading at 611.50, that's up $2.80. May canola trading at 617.50 up $3.40. 
March Minneapolis wheat trading at 6.97 and 3 quarters, up four and a half cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 6.29 and a quarter, up 11 cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 6.03 per bushel, that's up nine and a half cents. March corn trading at 4.46 per bushel, up five and three quarters of a cent. March soybeans trading at 12.13 and a quarter, that's up 19 cents. March oats trading at 3.78 and a half, up 13 and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Saskatoon's Prairieland Park hosted a brand new event on the weekend. Dare to Judge featured several species of livestock, which were judged by junior, intermediate, and senior 4-H members. There was also a separate intercollegiate competition featuring teams from the University of Guelph, the University of Alberta, and the host University of Saskatchewan judging team. Chase Bruno from Outlook plays first in the intercollegiate competition. He talks about the University of Saskatchewan judging team. We have the University of Saskatchewan judging team uh, where we get together and have meetings and then we take part in competitions across Canada. So uh, we do competitions at uh, Agribition would be the main one. And then we uh, go to different uh, universities and colleges like Lakeland and uh, Guelph has a competition and ours here. So basically the university judging team is just we get together, we learn how to evaluate cattle and learn how to do public speaking. We just get together and um, learn and grow our knowledge and about the cattle and different types of livestock. He says their judging team has quite a few members. I think this year we have about close to 35 members, which is bigger than uh, years before. This is our biggest year of membership, so that's good to see. Bruno says some of their members have judging experience at the 4-H level. Some of them, like, there's obviously the more experienced people, and then there's some who just want to learn more about livestock and learn about evaluating different species. So we're kind of all ranges of uh, expertise, and you don't have to just be in agriculture. You can be from any program at the University of Saskatchewan to join the judging team. He says the number of judges they send to a competition varies from event to event. Usually it's just whoever wants to go to these type of competitions, but the main competitions like Agribition, then we usually do a tryout process and uh, go from there, which because we, we can only send like eight or so members to those main competitions, so we do have a tryout process for that. Bruno says judging at the university level is a step up from 4-H. Yeah, I think it is. You know, it's uh, when you get to these university competitions, it's a little bit more intense in terms of the cattle you're judging and what your reasons have to be. So it is a step up, but obviously that 4-H judging like I did as a kid, that uh, really helps you as you move into the college judging. He hopes to be a judge at 4-H regional shows in the future. I think so, yeah. That's kind of why I get into this judging deal. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely be open to doing uh, those bigger shows like that. Bruno says it takes many years to become a good judge. Yeah, you know, I've been doing it uh, ever since a young age when I was a little kid in 4-H. So it definitely does take a while, but, you know, you just got to keep working at it, keep practicing. And it's just like the life lessons you learn is public speaking and uh, evaluating different species of livestock. And uh, I'm very grateful for all my experience and where I've gone to today. 
He notes he makes a lot of good contacts with judges from other universities as well. Yeah, for sure. Like when you're judging, you make uh, friends at other colleges and uh, just make connections with uh, people throughout the egg industry. It doesn't matter if you're in competition with them, you know, you're, you're friends at the end of the day. So I think that's the biggest thing with judging is just making connections and those, building those relationships as you move into your future. Chase Bruno from Outlook is a member of the University of Saskatchewan judging team. Chase also took top spot in the intercollegiate judging competition held at Saskatoon's Prairie Land Park on Saturday. It's now 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Sunny skies, winds west-southwest at 15 to 25, and a high of plus 5 degrees. For tonight, mainly clear, winds west at 15 to 25, a low of minus 2. For tomorrow, mainly sunny, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of plus 3, an overnight low of minus 7. For Thursday, partly sunny, winds southeast at 15 to 25, a high of plus 2. For Friday, partly sunny, a high of plus 3, and Saturday, cloudy, a high of plus 2. In the Paw, it's plus 4 degrees, Swan River plus 3, Dauphin plus 6, Brandon minus 4, Show Lake Russell minus 2, Roblin minus 1. Regina, Saskatoon, Broadview, Mooseman, and Indian Head are all reporting in at plus 5. Hudson Bay, plus 2. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, plus 7. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky. A south-southwest wind at 17, gusting to 33 kilometers an hour. 81% is the relative humidity. The temperature is plus three degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.